Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. I'm really pleased today for this special edition of Small Business Digest. In 1950, half of all light manufacturing done in the United States was done within the five boroughs in New York City. That's changed radically in the uh, uh, 65-odd years since then. But one of the last uh, survivors of that uh, is a company run by Matt Matt Krause, who's uh, with us today. Matt, welcome to the program. Thanks, Don. Glad to be here. Well, Matt, uh, as we ask all our uh, guests, before we talk about anything else, tell us a little bit about yourself personally. Sure. Um, born and raised in uh, New York City. I've uh, been in the area for a while. I've, I've, I've traveled the country, lived in a few different places, but am back in New York City and um, glad to be here and, and really happy to be part of a fourth-generation family legacy. And the name of your company? Skyline Windows. Um, and how long have you been in business? We've been in business for over 90 years. Well, you before the program, you were telling tell us a little bit about the progression of your company before we do anything else. Sure. Um, we, we started out as a roofing and waterproofing business. Uh, my great-grandfather started, um, and uh, over the years, going from... Um, a one-shop operation with about five people um, working in, I'll say, about 10 square blocks doing roofing and waterproofing. Over the years, we've grown into um, a company that's primarily focused in windows, uh, and we manufacture and install our own windows now. But it's an an unusual type of windows. Tell us what you specialize in. We specialize in um, windows for high-rise buildings. Um, uh, we, we, we manufacture aluminum windows. A lot of our work uh, is in the high-rise buildings you see throughout the city. Now, that's fascinating. Uh, how, how did that evolve? That evolved, uh, I'll say, mainly through my grandfather and father uh, seeing opportunities in roofing and waterproofing, and being constantly asked to look at windows. Um, and after years of buying um, other manufacturers' windows, we saw an opportunity to make our own. Uh, 
and you're, you were originally in the borough of Manhattan. For our listeners, that's uh, uh, where Times Square and the, uh, the World Trade Center is. But now you're in the Bronx. That's correct. Our, our office is in the Bronx, and our manufacturing facility is in Woodridge, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, okay, you're, you're in a, a very highly competitive business. What makes you your company unique and uh, successful? Sure. Um, we have a very unique offering uh, in that we manufacture our own product and we install it, so it's a turnkey operation. Uh, typically in this industry, uh, you have a manufacturer and an installer that are two different parties. So our approach alone is different um, just just right off the bat. So that, that helps us a lot in dealing with owners because they have, um, as we like to say, they have one finger to point uh, if there's ever an issue. Well, that also leaves you uh, open to liability. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um but it's it's a it's a risk that we've um, uh, put to our advantage because we've been able to take control of our product and service, uh, and and we stand behind them completely. You know that's that's interesting in today's world where everything seems to be specialized, uh, and uh, an individual uh, or a company. It oftentimes has five or six subcontractors, and if anything goes wrong, they're all pointing to each other. Absolutely. But, uh, having said that, what are some of the obstacles you face as a small business today? Some of, some of the obstacles um, we, we face, uh, I'll say on the manufacturing end, is um, having, having our material come in at the right time, um, this is a big challenge because of the nature of our products. We make a very customized product, which means we have to bring in a lot of new material for each project. So the management of that process um, is difficult, and we have to work very carefully with our vendors to make sure the products are correct on time, on spec, um, so that we can manufacture um, our product. That's one. Give us one or two others. Sure. If you can. Um, from uh, from the from the city side, there are only more and more challenges coming coming into play. Um, we often deal with the Landmark Commission, um, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with, has a, a governing say over the look and feel of buildings throughout the city. They are looking to preserve the historic look of New York City's buildings. And so what that means for us is manufacturing a product that looks like the product from 90 or 100 years ago. Uh, and that in itself is an uh, enormous challenge. Um, so that's that's something that we deal with on an, on an everyday basis, um, but it's also one of our competitive advantages. Okay, uh, that you know it's interesting uh, you bring that up, but uh, give us another uh, challenge. Uh, uh, wh- what about workers? How do you find workers? Sure, um, you, you know our our people are obviously very important. 
Um, and it's a challenge to find good people, especially as the market has gotten better. Um, and and in, a, in, in our manufacturing plant, it's a challenge to find um, good people. We've we found that working with various staffing agencies has helped us um, find good people. Uh, but in a, in a manufacturing plant, it, it can be tough um, to maintain them, you know, especially um, as certain people like to change jobs from season to season as different types of opportunities become available. Um, so we we try to put in place various um, incentive programs um, to try to keep people and and training programs to make sure that they're vested in in their opportunity. What have you found has been the best way? Uh, across my desk uh, come emails. What are the some of the best ways you've found to keep people in a manufacturing environment? Um, showing them that the opportunities that they have ahead uh, and providing them with uh, excellent training. Uh, we found that if, if we don't provide people with great training um, and, they, and they don't feel that they're able to do their job correctly or in a way um, uh, that they understand, it's, it's hard for us to keep them. Um, and we also we really like to show them um, the possibilities in terms of growth in their position. Well, your, your offices are in the Bronx, and your plant is in New Jersey. How do you deal with the the, uh, the two states? Uh, do you find it difficult having to, in fact, two uh, state masters? Not, not really, actually. Um, you know, we're we are in two states, but we're only about 15 miles apart, um, and and we haven't, thankfully, had too many challenges. Um, we 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 do face. Uh, a couple of challenges in in New Jersey, being uh, that we have manufacturing going there, and we when we do try to expand our our plant, you know, we have to go through a certain process with the town uh, to do so. But um, thankfully, thankfully, we haven't had uh, too many um, big challenges. Well, you know, everybody is looking at healthcare. I just saw another study where uh, small businesses. Um, are facing some now 20 to 25 percent healthcare increases. Have you had that pr problem, and how do you deal with it? Um, we we have had some of that issue, um, and we you know like I said, our our people are a, a key a part of our um, success, and we want to make sure that they have the best benefits possible. So it's something that we support completely with our employees. We feel that mm -hmm. there's really no other choice. Well, you, you, you're you're putting up uh, windows in gigantic uh, and tall skyscrapers as well as uh, I'm sure smaller buildings. What uh, can you give us an example of a challenging uh, situation you had that you met and overcame? Uh, it, dealing, you know, this might uh, not sound it, but it, it's a very obvious problem: dealing with weather. Um, you know, we work in a condition where we are creating a hole in a building, um, and weather plays a major role uh, in our work. And being hit by a, a rogue storm and having to um, deal with that situation on your feet and make it so that there's not water or snow or ice coming into the building because we are then holding, uh, being held liable for, for all of the damage that comes. So 
we have some interesting solutions that we um, that we use, you know, in dealing with weather, um, different protection boards, ways to close up openings quickly, um, and really just being uh, having our staff be flexible to make changes um, on the fly when weather conditions come up. Well, they're building some really tall buildings, uh, especially apartment complexes. I saw 157th Street is, what, 90 stories high or some such figure as that? Yes. Um, uh, have you dealt with some of those high-rise uh, high buildings? Uh, that must be f fascinating if you did. Absolutely. Um, not not that one specifically, but we've, we've dealt with a number of very high-rise buildings, um, uh, many that that you know very well um, have our windows, um, and it's it's a challenge. Um, you know, we have to follow a variety of safety procedures, and and safety, of course, is of the utmost importance to us. We don't want anything happening to our people, and we have a variety of safety um, procedures, life harnesses, um, certain. Uh, scaffold procedures that people must follow and courses and certificates that people have to have in order to do the work that they do. Um, so it's it's a very big part of our business. Well, I have a friend who uh, lost the construction of the new uh, World Trade Center, and he took me up to one of the unfinished floors that was about 30 or 40 stories up, and it scared the daylights out of me <laughs> being out, out there literally with with no windows around you and and it's windy up there it sure is uh, it was it was just a, a frightening experience uh do you have specialists that do that 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 you uh uh that are on your payroll or, yes or we have you? it's our own installation crews that are that are um uh, skyline windows uh staff and employees um, specifically trained to do those types of installations. They have they have more courage than I do. <laughs> uh, I, no, it was just a frightening experience, um, you know, because it, it was all open and and they're in effect in, in closing each floor as it moves up. I, am I right on that? Yeah, you are, and it it can be it can be very intimidating. I, I'll never forget in, installing my first. One of my first windows ever in the city on the on the fortieth floor. It was it was a bit frightening. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, but you also do you also do specialized windows for these renovations of these brown brownstones, et cetera? Absolutely. Uh, we don't we don't just do the high rise buildings. We do single apartment window replacements as well. Sometimes they have to be. Customized to fit the exterior. Am I right? You are absolutely correct. Um, how do you go about uh, deciding uh, a to take the job and b to the, to design design the window to to uh, match the other decor? Well, we 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 really try to understand uh, what our clients want. Um, you know what it is that's making them change their new. Uh, Change change their windows. Is it is it sound? Is it energy? Is it design? Um, uh, and we try to offer our expertise um, in what they want. We 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 often change people's opinions of of what they want based upon our expertise. 
sound today is an enormous factor in everything that we do. Um, you know, people want to have a quiet home, and with all of the things happening in this busy city, that's becoming only more and more difficult. Do some people ask for uh, shatterproof glass or glass that you can't uh, break into, particularly these high-end homes? Yeah, we've we've done a number of projects um, uh, where that is a requirement. We've also done uh, bulletproof glass, um, impact-resistant glass. We've seen a lot of that in um, embassies, some government facilities, um, where that's where that is a requirement. A question I've always always wondered about: uh, Do insulated uh, glasses, where, where you have two or three uh, layers, do they really um, uh, keep in the heat uh, and, and keep it cool? Do they really work? They they really do. Um, the glass industry has made significant. Um, improvements over the years, and insulated glass, which is a standard today, is such an improvement from monolithic glass. Um, and in, and today, what they're doing is putting specialized metallic coatings on the glass to even better the performance of the glass. What do you mean by metallic? They they deposit the glass manufacturers deposit atom thick layers of metal that helped reflect out um, the heat. Um, so it's it's a process that's been developed over the years, and it's made an enormous difference in the performance of glass. So in the summer, it's helping to keep the, the heat out and the cool in. That's really interesting. Um, there's been some talk I've read uh, over, over time that... Uh, Glass manufacturing in the United States is under threat from uh, particularly Chinese imports. Have you noticed that, or am I incorrect in that? We've we've seen some of it. Um, you know, there are some major manufacturers uh, overseas um, trying to break into uh, the industry, but um, for us, we really rely on uh, local suppliers because getting a replacement piece of glass or being able to work with a vendor when there's an issue, if they're very far away, it makes it extremely difficult. And we often don't have the time to wait for it to go on a boat, come overseas, and then get installed into the site. Um, for us, it's more important to be able to have that relationship with a local vendor to get something when we need it. Uh, something else I saw uh, recently uh, I've always been enamored of the, the rounded uh, uh, um, openings, uh, mm -hmm. not openings, uh, where you have a rounded uh, 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 section of, of the building. And I've sure. seen some rounded glass. Am I, was, is it flat glass that just looks like rounded, or can you actually create rounded glass? No, you can actually create rounded curved glass. We're, and we're doing a number of projects right now, today, as we speak, with such glass? Well, I'm sure it's much more difficult to work with. Absolutely. It's a, it's a very difficult process. The, the entire manufacturing process changes. Um, but we have, uh, as I was saying before, some great vendors that, 
that provide the rounded glass uh, and then the, the rounded frame that we can then assemble to make a, a really beautiful rounded window. How do you work with, with architects? Do they ask for your advice or do they specify a building and then uh, say, here, uh, um, make my uh, concept a reality? It's, it's typically a combination. Um, architects will have an idea in mind, um, and a lot of times they'll come to us and say, hey, here's what we're thinking. Um, what do you think, and what can we really do? And we will work with them and develop a design from a uh, standpoint of the facade and windows and help them achieve their, their look and feel and design. I've noticed, in, particularly in New York City and uh, other cities, that a, a lot of buildings are now rounding the, uh, one end of it. Or uh, uh, is that, uh, obviously it's more difficult, but have you dealt with any of those where they're a round building, you know, at the end, of, uh, instead of being uh, a, a square, the, the end of the building is round? Yes, we we, um, we have two projects going on right now where they've, where they've done that, um, kind of similar to the, the flat iron. Uh, and yes. if they want to, they want to look at on on one end that's uh, a curved or rounded look. Um, and uh, like I said, two of our projects are specifically designed after uh, the flat iron to have a similar kind of look, just on a much bigger scale. All of that costs extra money, correct? It it certainly does. The the rounding and curving is a very complex uh, procedure. We always ask uh, our guests, 59% uh, of our audience are presidents and or uh, uh, owners. Mm -hmm. What are the three things that you uh, feel are important to continued success? Uh, the, the, the people. Um, the people are extremely important. Having, having the right people on your team really is key. Um, in, a, in our business, um, flexibility is another big one. Uh, you know, we work in construction and, and things happen. Um, new buildings are going up and changes happen, delays happen, stop work orders happen, and if you're not able to move on your feet and react quickly, it, it can be the end. Um, you know, you need to be able to shuffle around, jump to different projects, um, and do it effectively and efficiently, uh, which leads me to the third, um, being metrics. Um, understanding your business, how your projects are doing, the effect of jumping to a different project, um, and understanding how the cash is flowing is, is extremely important because the, the business is very complex. So having those metrics in place is, is, is extremely important to understand how your, your business is performing. What are your plans for the future? Our plans for the future are to continue to grow um, this company. Uh, we, we have a great reputation in New York, and we're looking to expand uh, our footprint outside of New York um, to, do a to do more business in some of the neighboring states. Um, how, do you, uh, how do you propose doing that? Do you have any, what are your ideas about how you grow? Sure. We, we have a lot of great relationships with architects and developers. And we are going to look to utilize some those relationships to um, learn about projects going on in, in other areas and see how we can get involved to offer our unique uh, 
um, products and, and services um, in those areas. Well, um, I'm sure you have a website. What is your website? Skylinewindows.com. Uh, can you spell it out for our audience? Sure. S-K-Y-L-I-N-E-W-I-N-D-O-W-S.com. Um, do you have any final thoughts for our audience? What advice uh, uh, would you, you give anyone starting up or uh, in business right now, given the present uh, situation? Sure. You know, I think it's it's a it's a very challenging industry. Um, I think having the right people is the most important part of it. Um, having people that can get in line with your vision, your goals, um, understand the product and services that you offer is really the most important. With the right people, you can go anywhere. Um, so uh, that would be my my number one piece of advice um, to anybody looking to to get into the business or starting any new venture. That's that's good advice. Um, on a personal level, what do you hope to do with uh, uh, you? You you lead this organization. What are you doing in terms of? Uh, uh, you, you, you're relatively young compared to me, but what are you doing in terms of uh, succession planning, et cetera? Well, we were we were we went through a phase of bringing on a lot of uh, new, I'll say, younger guns. Um, to replace some of the more senior staff here, and we've had them training uh, underneath the senior staff to to be in a position um, to fill their shoes when they move on or or retire. Uh, you know, it's important to have the right pieces in place when key members of the company start to retire or leave. So we've had a very active mission to um, hire new talent and. We've spent a lot of time, effort, and money in training them so that they can not only fill their shoes but be in a position to offer new ideas um, that are improved of how these the previous people used to do it. What do you look for in future leadership? Um, I look at, at their expertise. I, I'd like to see what um, what their roles have been in previous opportunities. And one of the big things I look for is is their attitude. Um, does someone really care? Are they interested um, in, in what they're doing? You know, are they passionate about it? I think the education is very important and their background is important. But if someone is really um, invested personally in, in their work and they, they care very much, um, to me that's very important. Well, well, uh, well put. Um, any final thoughts? Because you, you've been a terrific interview, and I've, uh, I could go on for hours. But any final thoughts? Well, I'd just like to thank you. I think this has been a great opportunity. Um, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. And, um, uh, you know, I, I, would, I would just want to say thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. Well, thank you for being with us. I, I, I know I learned a lot, and I hope our yeah. audience did as well. And we're going to invite you back next year to talk about how things are going. Great. I'd be happy to do it. Have a good day. Thanks. You as well. I'm really looking forward to our next guest because he's a successful uh, serial entrepreneur. And more importantly, he has a whole new 
concept that a lot of us are thinking about. Greg, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Don. Well, Greg, as we ask, uh, it, by the way, it's Greg Waldorf. Uh, I've been told by my engineer is frantically waving over here that I uh, I don't uh, oftentimes I'm so friendly with the, the guests that I don't say their last name. Greg Waldorf, he's CEO of a very interesting company, which we're going to get into. But first, Greg, tell us a little bit about yourself personally, because I know I found it fascinating. Sure. Um, I grew up in Los Angeles, um, and I come from a family that is very entrepreneurial as well. And, and I think these many years later, when I get to Invoice to Go, there's a real common tie of a real passion for small business and respect for all the difficulty. But I grew up during a time when technology was just starting to uh, flow into companies in the early 1980s. I was a young, self-taught programmer growing up in Los Angeles, and as a teenager, I started doing contract programming work for a lot of different types of businesses in Los Angeles. And during the early and mid-80s, with a business partner, I, I supported companies originally around California and ultimately around the world, building custom software applications that were really focused on the challenges of their business. And though I went on to ultimately graduate from UCLA uh, from undergrad and from Stanford for business school, I really regard my time uh, as an entrepreneur, serving other businesses as a programmer, as really my first business school. Because I was, with technology, helping these other entrepreneurs to grow their businesses. And I just learned so much about how different types of companies and different types of industries run, how people can use technology. And ultimately, I, I operated that business out of Los Angeles until the early 90s. Like I said, I, I was uh, fortunate to, or I did move up to the Bay Area, San Francisco Bay Area, to attend Stanford for business school. And when I graduated in 1994, it was really the dawn of the commercial internet. It, it's hard to remember now, 20 years ago, but I'm looking out my window here in Palo Alto, California, and there was just one building in downtown Palo Alto where most of the internet companies were. They, most of them just had a one-room office. But it was a great time to be around the Internet as it was evolving commercially. So my, my passion and love for technology really just continued through that part of my life. Um, I've spent time as both an entrepreneur and an investor. I served for uh, five years as the CEO of eHarmony in Los Angeles, a company that I was also on the board of directors. And um, today, I find myself as the CEO of a software company here in Palo Alto that aims exclusively to help small businesses around the world to become more organized and essentially help them with their own cash flow management. You can consider me somebody who's just deeply passionate about not just technology for technology's sake, but how does technology help end users to either improve their lives or improve their businesses. Well, what's the name of your company? Invoice to go. It's invoice the number two G O. 
and how how does it help a small business? It helps small businesses to uh, invoice their customers. So if you've ever had somebody come to your home or office to perhaps repair something to provide a service to you, you may remember that they pulled out this metal box and a three-part invoice uh, that's imprinted with their name, and they might handwrite your name on it, and they'll say, okay, Don, can you spell your last name? And you say, M-A-Z-Z-E-L-L-A, and they try to get that down, and then they write your address, and then they tear off the white copy, and they give you a copy, and they keep the pink copy. We replace that process. Um, we allow the plumber, the electrician, the massage therapist, the, the architect who bills for time to, instead of doing it by paper uh, on the spot or even less conveniently, maybe doing the invoice two or three weeks after the service is complete, instead to just do it all right there on their smartphone or tablet. And the benefits of doing it that way are several fold. So one, it's really um, a way to make sure that you haven't forgotten some of the work that you've done. If you invoice somebody a week or two after the job is done, you're very likely to forget something that you did on the job, particularly if you do many per day. The second thing is it looks a lot more professional for the recipient of the invoice. And we, we've seen research that says that customers are likely to pay 20% more if they perceive someone to be a more professional organization. Third, uh, it saves you the time from doing it later. And, and perhaps most importantly, the faster you get the invoice out, the faster you're gonna get paid. So if you don't send that invoice for two or three weeks, it's going to take two or three weeks for someone to even get that into their accounts payable system. So those are some of the many benefits, but it's really for small business people to take what can be a Sunday night weekend chore and just get it done during the week so your weekends can be spent relaxing and having fun, which is the whole reason that you're working hard during the week. Well, that is about as clear an explanation. And, and I want to hone in on, on two things you said. Uh, one of them is it looks more professional. Is, is the invoice pre-printed from, from the uh, home office or uh, as part of the work order, or how does it work? So when you download our app, so uh, for your listeners, whether they're on iOS or Android, they go to their app store and they type in invoice to go, that's invoice to the number two GO. They'll download and install the app. And as part of the sign-up process, which just takes a couple minutes, you have a choice of using a standard uh, format invoice or you can customize the invoice. You could pick a, a, a logo, you can pick a, a look. And when that invoice gets sent out, it will look as professional as any invoice you've ever seen and it will come in PDF format. You're, you're probably familiar with that, Don. It's, it's the most common electronic format you can receive uh, via email. Everybody, it's compatible with every computer and every email program. The recipient can choose to just, if they're in a business, most likely just put that PDF 
file right into to their accounts payable system. If you're being paid by a consumer, they can just click on that link and they can print it out or write you a check or do whatever they're going to do. Does the uh, uh, service provider uh, individual, could he print out the order right then and there? Sure. If they have a, I mean, if they have a printer with them. What, what we're finding in today's world, and, and I, I think I'm sure you've heard this from other people, is people are trying to have less paper in their life, not more. What the big fear that people have is that somehow they're going to lose something, that they won't be organized. But with our invoice-to-go software, it is by default organized. It's backed up into our cloud server. You could lose your phone. You could, you know, drop it in a bucket of water, and you'll never lose anything. So that big order book that you used to have to lug around, and that was your one copy, it's all available to you with our app. If you, let's say, need to send someone a statement, if they have a question about something, you can just deal with it on either your, your smartphone, your tablet, or on your laptop. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that I, I thought and uh, when I first heard about you, your service, and uh, uh, we try to, to, for every guest, we try to at least know a little bit about it before we get on. Uh, what I noticed about it is that it apparently speeds up the collection process. Am I right? Correct. And so, it, you know, because... When you're a small business person, you're busy. You know, you're going job to job. You maybe even have two jobs. You've got perhaps a family. Getting the invoices out turns out to be a big effort. And so what our customers tell us when we survey them is that they save three hours a week by just getting the invoicing done on the spot. Uh, But they also get paid seven days faster by their own estimate. And that's partly because the invoice gets to the recipient faster. It's also because it comes electronically. Most businesses today, if you mail them an invoice, they have to then scan it in to their accounts payable system. And so the real advantage here is all those steps are just skipped. There's no putting it in the mail. There's no opening the envelope. There's no waiting another day to scan it in. It just goes straight from you to the recipient, and it's ready to be paid. Um, uh, are, is your system compatible for, for, uh, for instance, with Intuit uh, or uh, any of the other bookkeeping systems? Um, it is compatible in the sense that you can export and you know print out your reports. But what we find, frankly, is that um, people really are saying that they don't need full financial accounting if they're a small business. They typically have someone who's helping them with their taxes, and they just want to focus on invoicing because invoicing is how they get cash. That's very true. Uh, A service provider comes to my house. Uh, Let's say I'm a consumer. And he said, I did this, 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 and this. And he, pre- and he um, sh- shows the, um, uh, the homeowner or the consumer the bill and says, sign here, that the, the services. 
Correct. Can, but today, the, sorry, go, ahead. go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, instead of the, you know, I don't know how you are, like, I don't know, you know, much about you, but if you're like me, when someone gives me a paper invoice now at home, that's my least favorite way to receive a bill. Because for me, I don't, I'm, I'm doing electronic banking. Uh, my bank doesn't charge me anything if I pay a bill electronically. Um, the, if, if someone gives me a paper bill and it's for something in my home, then I need to save it offline. You know, everybody is sort of saying, like, the number of paper checks that are written in the United States is, is decreasing so fast. We're a global company, so we have, you know, customers in other countries, too. I'm not sure if you know this, but in the U.K., in England, there's no more paper checks. There's none. Like, there is no paper check left. And so I think a lot of people already, when someone hands you that paper check, you or the paper invoice, they've already lost you to some extent because that's the least convenient way for people to receive it. Now, I realize some people want to have that extra copy, and we, we you absolutely can print out your invoice from invoice to go. But we find that many, many people don't want to. Well, I'm, I'm of the older generation, and uh, quite frankly, all of this electronic stuff is, is starting to confuse me because uh, many, many people are, are saying to us, we want to pay electronically etc. And uh, we're updating our system, and I'm sure a lot of other small businesses are in the position we are. That's why I was so intrigued by your uh, by, by your offering, because I think it does offer uh, a new and, and different way of doing things. Let's, let's and, and I just want to say, can I just say one thing about that? Like You're the guest. You, you can know, say anything you want. Yeah, I, I'd like to just i just like to emphasize that the way this product is designed is so that you don't need to be an ex a software expert. You don't need to be highly technical. If you have an iPhone, an Android, Samsung phone, whatever you have, a tablet, even a, a laptop. I mean, our, our product works just fine on a laptop. The whole point here is you can be good at whatever your small business does and generate an invoice. You don't need to be an accountant. You don't need to be a bookkeeper. What we hear from our customers is they don't want to have to set up a chart of accounts, accounts receivable, accounts payable, to send an invoice. They want to send an invoice to get paid. It's a very simple concept in their minds, and that's what we're enabling. Our customers are almost, by default, saying they don't want financial accounting software. That's why they've ended up with invoice to go Wow. Well, uh, let's jump ahead a little bit. You, you uh, obviously, I'm, with your background, you do you think ten years from now, a most of us will be doing uh, something similar to that at all levels? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big believer in people overestimate what will happen in the next year in technology, but they underestimate what will happen in ten years, and. Um, I really think 10 years from now, you, you, you know, the idea of a paper check will, will be gone. Um, I think most importantly, people will be able to use these types of technology 
to focus on what they like doing in business and to not have to do the parts that they don't like. And for everybody, sending invoices is not in the part that they, nobody goes into business because they like sending invoices. They send invoices because they need to support themselves. And we want to make that process as easy as possible. I think much more broadly, that trend is true with so many things that are enabled by mobile technology. If, if mobile phones weren't so ubiquitous, invoice to go would not be as big as it is today. You, 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 that's very true. I, I, I'm just fa fascinated. Uh, you, you and I, I was around for the early part of the internet, and where we started and where we are now, it, it, it's 20 years. It's a little over 20 years, and it's amazing what's happened. The revolution that's happened. Uh, and, and and a lot of companies that have you know come and gone, sometimes were too early. And I think what you're seeing right now in, you know, the, the world of technology is that so many businesses that couldn't make it without the ubiquitous mobile phones are making it today because of mobile phones. You know, people don't think of their smartphone as a thing anymore to primarily make calls. They think of it as a way to connect with the world. And, of course, it depends on kind of often your age group and, you know, younger people are more likely to use their smartphones for, for let's say, gathering news. But, but the trend is clear for every group. There's no group that's doing it anything less on smartphones. That's very true. If people wanted to talk, know more about your products and services, how do they do it? I think the simplest thing is they go into their, their app store, um, and they type on invoice, the number 2GO. They can download the app. They can use it for free on a trial basis. And, um, you know, what I always say, Don, about our product is that I don't find a lot of small business people who would not, when I explain what we do, I do not meet very many people who say, oh, the way I'm doing it with paper and pen would be better than that. <laughs> what I get is, oh, that sounds great, but I have to help them prioritize it as something to do today. It only takes 10 or 15 minutes to get started, maybe even less. And what I would say to your listeners is, don't just download the app, but do it, get going today. This will make your life so much better. I mean, we, we have quotes from our customers. They're in the app stores. They're on the web. Things like, this app saved my marriage. And, you know, you think to yourself, how can a small business invoicing app save someone's marriage? It's because oftentimes spouses will do invoicing for the other. One is the small business person. The other one does the invoicing. This just allows you to take all that into control. And so I don't think it's just why someone should do software-based invoicing. I think it's also why now. And I would encourage every single one of your listeners who has a small service-based business to just do this now. You'll be glad you did. Well, how do you make money? Do you charge per usage? How, 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 did they, how do we pay for such a service? Um, so the service um, is, is it, we are a software product, and you can download it for free. At the end of your free trial, you would have to convert into being a paid subscriber. Our lowest price plan right now in the U.S., where... I'm sure many of your listeners are, uh, is 999 
that will get you a year and and 50 invoices. Um, you know, for less than $10 to be able to look professional, save time, do all that, it's a pretty small commitment on the part of a small business, especially when we see that our customers are invoicing many tens of thousands of dollars through our system. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, it's so like, would, wouldn't you pay? Wouldn't you pay ten dollars to improve your cash flow? Well, you, if nothing else, you'd save on the, the stamp. Yeah, I mean that's what I was joking. I mean, I, uh, what is it up to you know, forty-five cents to mail something, and you know, I just not found to out mention forty-nine. I just found out from the forty-nine cents. You and I'm I lucky. I bought some of those. I'm lucky. I bought some of those forever stamps a couple of years ago, and I'm still uh, going through them. Um, but the you know, it, 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 just getting one of those pre-printed invoice books, you know, with your logo on it and the name of your business, you know, that can be eighty dollars for a pack of ten. Yes. Yes. You, you wonder what's going to happen to the forms industry over the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be long the forms industry right now. Uh, Greg, it's, uh, we, we've been talking with Greg Waldorf. He's CEO of Invoice, the number two, Go. Uh, uh, I found it very interesting that, that I can now remember your you, you've managed to say it enough times that even I can remember uh, you know, the name. Uh, he's been he's CEO, he's been a serial entrepreneur, and he's uh, brought us what I think is a very interesting application for small business service companies. Uh, Greg, thanks for being with us today. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net. That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net. We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net. That's smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.